Hello again. This is Series 7 of Satisfied. The Series 7 podcast enhanced the Radical Acts Bible study of the Book of Acts in the New Testament. I'm Melanie Newton, just an everyday kind of woman who loves the Lord and His Word. In the last podcast, we looked at how you can find and fulfill God's purpose for you on the adventure with Jesus. Today's podcast will cover Lesson 8 of Radical Acts Bible Study. We will look at how following Christ on adventure means we can release our expectations of acceptable outcomes and still have joy. Remember our definition of adventure? Adventure is an unusual or exciting, typically hazardous experience or activity. Adventure with Jesus rarely means easy. Typically hazardous implies taking the risk that you might have to live life in the extremes. As we have seen in Lessons 7 and 8, Paul and Silas were familiar with extremes. One day they were comfortably staying at a prosperous woman's house. The next day they were beaten and chained in a cold prison, released by an earthquake, and escorted out of town. The Bereans responded to the gospel in large numbers. The Athenians barely gave it their attention. At times, Paul worked as a tent maker to support himself. Other times, he was supported by generous gifts so that he could devote himself entirely to preaching. Paul enters Corinth alone. He leaves accompanied by new co-workers and forever friends, Priscilla and Aquila. This living in the extremes had become such a part of Paul's life following Christ that he can say a few years later in Philippians chapter 4, I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation. I can do everything through Him who gives me strength. Paul practiced learning to be content amidst the extremes of life and discovered that those extremes gave him opportunity to reveal Jesus in him. What is absolutely amazing is the number of times Paul is joyful and rejoicing during those extremes. Sure, I can be joyful when I have plenty of money and I'm really comfy in life, but how do you live joyfully when the storms of life hit? Years ago, I read a headline that said, Sinkholes leave Florida neighborhood looking like cratered wasteland. Being the geologist, I was intrigued and I had to read more. The article said that people in a central Florida neighborhood are stuck in a nightmare after a dozen sinkholes opened, forcing the evacuation of a bunch of homes. Residents said the holes burst open as water started exploding into what looked like geysers shooting out of a now empty pond. Central Florida is sinkhole alley with porous limestone resembling Swiss cheese close to the surface. The holes in the limestone existed long before the neighborhood was built. Had no one called in geologists to extensively examine the underlying soil and rock before all those houses were constructed? I don't know. But what strikes me is that Florida sinkholes are notorious, yet people bought those houses and moved in anyway. Did they expect the solidness of the housing construction to keep them safe? One resident said that he's hoping the city engineers fix it so he doesn't have to worry about those sinkholes happening anymore. But the bedrock hasn't changed. 
it's limestone. Limestone dissolves, and porous limestone dissolves faster. I learned this in geology classes in college. Those expectations of a permanent fix need to be released, or the residents will be continually disappointed. Those sinkholes remind me of a topic of conversation at a women's retreat recently. We were talking about the storms of life and how we respond to them. The speaker shared that there are really two types of storms that hit us, those caused by our own disobedience and those that hit through no fault of our own. Hurricane Harvey hit my Christian friends hard on the Gulf Coast. An otherwise healthy and very godly young mom is battling cancer that just won't go away. A happily married couple who love Jesus can't get pregnant. Those storms of life hit through no fault of the victims. When we go through such difficulties of life, we all have what we would consider acceptable outcomes, expectations. But those expectations can become sinkholes if we try to hold on to them too tightly. In our small group discussion at the retreat, one woman brought up the concept of obedience to the Lord and expecting a reward from Him for that obedience. That seems to be biblical. God commands our obedience. He certainly implies that we will be rewarded in some way for our love and obedience. We feel His pleasure and His joy as we follow Him closely. Then troubles hit. Two people who kept themselves pure for marriage experience infertility. That doesn't fit the expected outcome of sexual purity before marriage. A pastor suddenly deserts his wife and three children. She's stunned. Wasn't she being obedient to the Lord with her life? That desertion doesn't fit the expected outcome. How hard it is to release those expected outcomes and find joy in the trouble. I read another article recently that stunned me with this statement. It just stopped me in my tracks. This is what it said. Joy requires us to release our expectation of what is an acceptable outcome. Let me say that again. Joy requires us to release our expectation of what is an acceptable outcome. I think expectations of acceptable outcomes are like sinkholes waiting to happen. When we approach troubles with expectations of what we think are acceptable outcomes and then something else happens, our disappointment and anger can explode like geysers shooting out of a now empty pond. It's okay to ask for specific answers to prayer, but we need to hold on to those expected answers with open fingers. We must release them to Jesus and let Him decide what to do. That's releasing expectations. We see in Philippians chapter 1 how Paul did that. His readers might have thought that Paul's imprisonment had hampered the building of the Church of Jesus Christ. But Paul announced that the things that happened to him were actually advancing God's program. It didn't depend on Paul. He had released that expectation. Because of Paul's imprisonment in Rome, many people had heard the gospel who would not otherwise have heard it, including Roman imperial guards. And other Christians had become more outspoken in sharing the gospel, 
inspired by Paul's courage. Some weren't doing it out of pure motives, but Paul believed that it was better for people with impure motives to preach Christ than that they not preach Him at all. It's all good and glorifying to God. Paul released the expectation that he had to be the one leading the charge. And we see in the next verses that Paul released his expectation of only one acceptable outcome. Getting out of prison would be great, but if God chose to leave him there or to have him executed, Paul considered those as acceptable outcomes as well, and he rejoiced about it. I love what longtime seminary professor Dr. Tom Constable said about this. Paul could maintain a truly joyful attitude even in unpleasant circumstances because he derived his joy from seeing God glorified rather than from seeing himself exalted. He could rejoice at any one of God's acceptable outcomes. You and I can choose to do that too. Bible teacher Chuck Swindoll said that life is 10% what happens to you and 90% how you react to it. Sounds like we need to prepare ourselves ahead of time with a God-honoring response, doesn't it? Here's one of them. Rejoice at God's acceptable outcome. When you release your expectation of acceptable outcomes, you can rejoice at what God has done or is going to do instead of complaining about what God did not do. That reminds me of how both Martha and Mary responded to Jesus in John chapter 11. They said, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. That was their only acceptable outcome. But Jesus had a greater purpose. What floors me is that John chapter 11 verse five says that Jesus loved them he loved them and still let them go through that pain. They did nothing wrong. He wept with them, but he had a greater purpose. When Martha and Mary saw him, they had to trust his goodness in whatever he would do for them in their trouble. What would be his acceptable outcome? Bringing a four-day dead Lazarus back to life was a far better outcome than what the sisters had in mind. Dear listener, we can avoid the sinkholes of unreleased expectations. We do that by releasing them. By faith, we can know with certainty that Jesus loves us and knows what is going on in our lives. We can have confidence in His power to do something about it. But the way to release expectations is to trust in His goodness in whatever He chooses to do in that situation. It's okay to ask for your heart's desire, but leave the decision in His hand. Accept the outcome that He provides and let Him fill your heart with joy in whatever He chooses to do. What trials are you going through right now? What in your mind do you expect to happen as acceptable outcomes? Maybe it's time to release those expectations and stay on solid ground. That's what Paul modeled for us throughout the book of Acts. Our reactions to those extremes, whether comfort or pain, reveal to those around us the reality of Jesus Christ in our lives. In fact, we discover more about our own hearts as we face the extremes of life 
whether we will be faithful to Christ alone in the midst of what the world might consider success or failure. In each, we can learn to say with Paul, to live is Christ. That's the adventure of living life in the extremes with Christ. We can do it joyfully. Let Jesus satisfy your heart with his spirit's transforming power and say yes to a life of adventure with him. Until next time, I'm Melanie Newton, and this is Series 7 of Satisfied.